The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello, 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 hello. Welcome back to the top 25 under 25, which has taken a backseat this year to some crazy news out of Montreal the other night, or at least evening in, in Canada, uh, when Kotkanimi signed the offer sheet by uh, Carolina Hurricanes. We're not going to dive yeah. into that right now, but, but there will be something coming up again on the pod. Um, hopefully Jared Book will, will, will sort something out. But uh, today we're focusing on the top 25, under 25, and as usual, it's your team for this season and last season, Anton Rosegård, who joins me. Still in Sweden. Still in Sweden for another week, right? (laughs) Yeah, for another six days. And I I have to apologize to all the listeners. I have caught uh, a bit of a cold. I'm uh, I'm fully vaccinated, so I don't think it's uh, it's the 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 Rona, but um, no, I'm just um, having a bit of a cold. So uh, I, I if I sound that uh, like I'm having something stuck up my nose, that's probably what you're hearing. It's it's probably that he's half Danish, so you know Danish. Yeah, that's uh, that's more my voice <laughs> in general. <laughs> so yeah, jokes aside, uh, we shouldn't be joking on on serious matters. Hopefully, it's nothing serious with Anton. No, it's you're obviously going back serious. to to Wales to cover the NFL season as well. You want to do a little bit of a promo for that? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm, since I'm working for a for a data analytics company, PFF, Pro Football Focus. Um, that's actually why I had to move to the UK in the first place to uh, be on. Um, be either in the UK, Ireland, uh, Canada, or the States uh, to be able to to work for them. So now the NFL season is uh, coming upon us and uh, we're going to, yeah, we start off with the preseason now and uh, then we're just analyzing everything that's possibly, yeah, that's actually possible to analyze and uh, and selling it to both to, uh, um, yeah, both to anyone who caters uh, for an Edge or Elite subscription or, um uh, uh, otherwise, to teams and the scouts and everyone. Yeah. You see, go pack. No, no, go Browns. <laughs> go Browns, actually. <laughs> ah, well, at least we're, we're having uh, sometimes when we're not celebrating the other teams, the others is obviously in European soccer where we seem to be having no connections at all. Yeah. So it's back to focus Montreal and uh, the top 25 under 25. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday night, obviously in Sweden, and uh, we're going to start with number twenty-five, Cam Hillis. Yeah, Cam Hillis dropped six spots from last year's ranking. He was number nineteen uh, going into last year's camp, uh, which wasn't a camp, and maybe that hurt Cam Hillis as well. I mean, he he obviously did well when he played in the OHL, uh, well enough when he was healthy to beat out Alan McShane, Samuel Oud, and um, Cole Fonstad to get an entry-level deal at all for the Canadians because all of those players performed quite well in their uh, Canadian 
hockey league systems. Um, and so there was some debate o- over which player was actually going to be signed in the end. And it turned out that they were only going to offer one contract to one of those four, and it um, became Cam Hillis. And since Cam Hillis was offered a contract, I think that the reason that he's dropped to this year's ranking to number 25 is because we were kind of expecting a bit more from him, um, at least for him to take a permanent roster spot on um, on the Laval lineup. Uh, he played 18 games last season and he had one goal and zero assists. And for a guy who has played, did he play three seasons? Yeah, three seasons since golf, basically two and a half because he was injured for half a season, but he had 110 assists in 155 games in the OHL and for him to not have record a single apple in 18 games, uh, it must be kind of frustrating for him. Yeah. And, and I'll be honest, I checked his stats because I obviously hasn't watched his play. Um, and, uh, yeah, it doesn't, it's, it's something doesn't stand out. Obviously the transition from the OHL to the AHL uh, is a big one, but, but you expect more and, uh, you have to wonder what he thought about people missing, probably missing his setup place because he is used to be that playmaker. But but on the other hand, he has to be able to make that jump uh, in, in into the pro ranks um, at this level. Uh, obviously, there was a Laval, a stock Laval team, and there were prospects coming from left, right, and center. Uh, but also, it was a team that suffered a little bit with injuries to, to certain players. And uh, yeah, I expected more and I dropped him. Um, I'd be an outlier in this case. I'm usually an outlier with, with these kind of prospects. But I also have to say that that if you if you take the average, um, I, I would probably make him drop maybe maybe a, a position, but not more than that, because I'm still only one, one vote from from 400 in, in a way, or in, in this case, what are we, one from 11. So it's yeah. less than a percent or less than 9% that, that, yeah. that of, of what is mine when you look at it from this way. But but yeah, um, obviously think, think... it seems like the, the uh, panel is lower on him, obviously, than, than the eyes on the prize community in general. Yeah. But on the other hand, yeah, maybe maybe we expected more. Yeah, I think as well, uh, because it's always, you can always use that excuse for a player's first year in professional hockey. Well, you know, it's a big transition coming from the OHL where you're starring, you were the captain and then coming in and just being, you know, the youngest guy on the team or or whatever. And and uh, it's, it's a difficult transition going from playing maybe uh, every possible minute where you're playing like, you know, 20, 25 minutes a game and you're like, um, you're on the power play and you're maybe on the penalty kill as well. And you're just leading the team in every aspect. And then you're coming into the AHL and you have to grind uh, even to get minutes on the bottom six and change your playing style and everything to, to fit what the AHL needs or what the coaches need from you there. But then we see someone like Jan Mishak, who is obviously yet to be discovered on the list, uh, who is two years younger and came in and played more than Cam Hillis in his first year. He wasn't even supposed to play in the AHL since he was originally going to continue play with Hamilton in the OHL. And uh, yeah, sure, uh, Jan Mishak has played uh, professionally in the Czech Republic, uh, but he did so earlier in the season, last season as well, and didn't exactly light it up there. But he comes in and he outplays um, Cam Hillis, and then you start wondering, like, well, 
Jaden Cam Hill has actually outperformed someone who's two years his younger, um, well, two years younger than him. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it was just we've seen that with guys like Josh Brook as well, like coming into your first year, maybe uh, that we had a little bit unrealistic expectations on, on Hillis. Um, but so far he has not proven anything on the professional level. So 25, I mean, that's probably where he belongs right now. Yeah. You have to, while mentioning Jan Mishak, he also, I know you said it, but it's, it's really important, I think, to stress the fact that he's already played pro. Yeah. Even if it's for, 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 you know, 15 games, 20 games and, and stuff like that, he's already played pro and that gives him an edge when it comes to physicality. He's a, might be a little bit better on the balance, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, but also it, it, it really is a, a, a big year for Cam Hillis to, uh, to step up here when we look forward. Yeah. Yeah, of course, especially since there are uh, players coming for his spots. There are several um, centers in the system who have yet to be signed to an entry-level deal. And if Cam Hillis doesn't um, show more progress in this year, I mean, it's, it's not impossible that he would be a throw-in in, in a trade somewhere uh, just to cre- free up a roster spot for one of the guys coming through the system for next year's signings. Uh, who knows? But um, at this point, well, now we've already gone through guys like Jacob Olofsson. He probably won't be signed. Uh, we don't know how it's going to be with another guy that we comes, uh, come to in a minute, Brett Stapley, who uh, has one year left on his NCAA career. We don't know, but it's important for Cam Hillis to just stay composed, stay focused, and, and take the minutes he gets from, from, uh, from Coach Wood this season and really proves that he belongs in Laval. Indeed, and, and uh, if we're moving on, we, we're having someone else that, that is on the way up, having showcased himself quite well in 13 games in the University of Denver, uh, yeah. and, and that is obviously Brett Stapley. Yeah. Going into his, his fourth year at university, um, what he, he has performed quite well in all aspects of the game so far or, or at university level. What can we realistically... Uh, see for this fourth year yeah like let's hope that he performs better than he did last year because last year was a bit of a setback for him um and i i looked closely at at him now because i wrote the article on him as well um for the top 25 and and i felt like well it's kind of an anomaly and it's just 13 games and if he had a full season maybe it would have looked differently but i mean he started off Great. He, he was supposed to be drafted already in 2017 with a seventh round pick. The Canadians really wanted him, but they only had one pick. So they ended up selecting Caden Primo. Uh, so when they came back in 2018 with a seventh round pick, they selected him as an overager instead. And then he went to University of Denver and, and performed really well. 19 points in 32 games in his freshman season. We talked about that on the, one of the last podcasts when, when we talked about guys like Blake Biondi and... Uh, uh, Jack Smith coming into uh, the NCAA. Uh, also, Rhett Pitlick will go up this season. Um, just that it can be difficult to perform as a uh, freshman in NCAA hockey. And he had a good first season. He was even better in his second season with 30 points in 35 games. So it was kind of unexpected to see him only have like 0.5 points per game. Uh, 
But on the other hand, it would probably be more worrying if it was over 30, 35 games. Now it was only 13. And I mean, like um, basically this is a power play gone wrong or, or, or not being able to set up the power play the first four games. Yeah. That will have a huge impact uh, over a 13-game season. Yeah, yeah, of course. And and also, like, if we look at Britt Stapley, the, the critique towards him has been that he's kind of one-dimensional. He's a playmaker, and he's only a playmaker. So I'm just wondering. I don't have any intel on him whatsoever, but, but it, it, it comes to mind that maybe the coaches were trying to make him a little bit more uh, because he was supposed to fill a bigger role for his junior season because they had a Norwegian guy leaving to play uh, for a Calgary Flames um, AHL affiliate in Stockton. And he was supposed to fill his shoes, basically. And I'm just wondering if they maybe tried to make him more of an all, all-round player, um, making him take more shots, for example, which is not really his style of play, making him more of a 200-foot guy who can perform in any aspects of the game, which is necessary, but then you will have some setbacks as well when he's not performing up to par points-wise as he did before because he doesn't get to play the game he has always known and and just um, built his resume upon. So his senior year will be huge as well. <laughs> it feels like we're going to say that about a lot of prospects, but, but yeah, Britt Stapley could very well be in line for an entry-level deal if he performs as he did in his sophomore year. So it will be interesting to see the way he plays. Indeed. And, and I think uh, Scott Matlas put it very well in the article. I see a lot of Jake Evans in Stapley Based on David Saint-Louis scouting, I think he's someone who will be a bottom, steady bottom six guy in the NHL before long. He's got more speed and he's got upside as a playmaker, despite his lower points total, and, and end quote. And, and that's really interesting, I think. Yeah, I, th- I think as well that I think Scott refers there to the way Jake Evans played in um, in college as well, because uh, Jake Evans is known as a very speedy uh, kind of center now. He has a lot of pace and and he plays a physical game and he, and he can really play well in a bottom six setting. But he wasn't like that as much during college. And and so Stapley, uh, I have I, I feel as well that he. Uh, He's smart enough. Uh, coaches talk about, you know, how smart he is. And I, I think he can very well go into a Laval team and, and surprise for next season. Um, next season, meaning 2022-23. So let's just hope that he continues, um, that he's ready to, you know, really um, take that leadership role um, and show for his senior season that he's um, he's ready for, for a pro deal. And... Uh, then it doesn't matter if you're a seventh round pick, you know, everyone comes in equal to camp. And uh, I think he can, he can very well be in for uh, some Jake Evans-esque uh, kind of breakthrough a couple of years down the line. It's interesting. I'm looking here with the history of number 24 in, in, in the top uh, 25, under 25. And, and 2010, Brennan Gallagher was ranked 24th. Yeah. And yeah, the, uh, so, someone so, tell, telling someone writing in the comments like who were actually above him. Well, some players were obviously have turned out great, like Price and Subban, and I think there were Patrick uh, Reddy. Well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Some others were just like, yeah, don't even know who they are basically anymore. Uh, Louis LeBlanc was number five. Um, well, Christopher picking Louis LeBlanc in, in the first round. You, if, we see that with first-round prospects. They go in top. Yeah, yeah. No, nothing against go, Louis LeBlanc, but uh, yeah. 
It's just it, uh, he, he had a, the pedigree of a first round pick, but it's just yeah. interesting to see how, how little you can know. Like how how were we supposed to know that Brendan Gallagher was like he was 19 at the time, and he had just been picked. I think he, he and, was and, picked and, in 2010, right? And I think he was about 125 in height. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> he was he was a short prospect in a time when short prospects didn't really flourish in the NHL. So, um, so but it, it's, and it's interesting. It's, so, so as we mentioned, we have been wrong. The community has been wrong. Everyone has been wrong at least once when it comes to prospects like this. So, yeah, so, I was just going to say, like, look hmm. at the other ones. It's Daniel Priebel, it's St- Steve Quiler, uh, it's Mac Bennett, Morgan Ellis, Darren Dietz, Ryan Johnston, then Josh Brook, uh, Joel Teasdale, and Luke Tuck, who are still in the organization, still yet to be determined. And then Renat Valiev in 2018. So, like, Brendan Gallagher is the anomaly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, but, but there are some NHL players in there as well. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, and you have to say that, you know, if you're number 24 on the top 25, under 25, turns out to be an NHLer, that's, that's a reasonably good development. It is. It is. Uh, then for number 23, uh, we have Joshua Roy. Very yeah. interesting prospect. And, and you were supposed to write this one as well. Yeah, I chose not to. I was busy with other things. So I chose Stapley over Roy. I was thinking as well, like I will get more opportunities probably to write about Roy since, um, you know, he has at least one more year in the organization before he uh, has to be signed as a Q prospect. But yeah, uh, it's always interesting with these guys who uh, get picked high in the uh, in the entry drafts for the um, Canadian Junior Leagues. And uh, some turn out great and some kind of get a reputation in some way that they are not kind of fulfilling their potential. Because if we look at Joshua Roy, he hasn't played bad. In his first year, he had 44 points in 60 games. Then he had in his second year, which obviously was, you know, cut down due to COVID, but he still had 35 points in 35 games over a span of two different teams. He started with St. John, then he was traded to Sherbrooke. It's not bad. Uh, he's had a negative uh, plus minus, if you care about that, for his entire stint in the EQ. And the critique against him is that he doesn't seem to be a hard effort kind of guy. He it's all, is. It's also the he fact that his skating is absolutely atrocious, more or less. Well, I wouldn't say absolutely atrocious, but it's just like, I mean, he wouldn't have been picked first overall in the Q draft from the start if he, he was atrocious at skating. It's just that it feels like he maybe doesn't want to develop into the kind of pro level skater that he would probably need to be. And it's always a question when it comes to like, if, if there's a problem with the effort, looking at Brendan Gallagher once again, like Brendan Gallagher has never been the most talented guy. He's never been the biggest guy. Like he's had so many things going against him, but he's always wanted a lot out of his career. And he's always fought for every single inch. And in the end, coaches will always talk about that, especially old school coaches that, you know, you can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't put in the effort and you don't put in the work, and there is some truth to that, of course. Like if and, you and are that, Joshua goes, Roy, that goes for anything in, in, in life, really. If you don't put yeah, an effort yeah. into it, it doesn't matter how skilled you are because you're going to fail sooner or later anyway. Trust me, I've learned it the hard way. Of- 
Yeah, and if we look at someone like like Jonathan Drouin has always had that reputation as well. Everything came so easy for him when he was younger that it maybe at some like uh, on some point that maybe just became more work than it was fun when he actually needed to you know shape up and and needed to uh, improve to actually tag along and maybe that's when he started to doubt himself all of a sudden and I'm not sure what has happened with Joshua Rua in these two years since he was drafted but it's obviously hasn't gone according to plan for him and since it happens so early his career is kind of you know it's already in that kind of what do you say like in, it's kind of waving like back and forth a little bit yeah a a little bit yeah because we can say about a lot of players he has a future in hockey but we don't know which level but if you are that kind of guy who has all the talent in the world but you can't get it out on the ice really um or you don't show the effort to fight hard when things go against you then well a lot of teams will get really frustrated with that I still understand why he's a part of the top 25 because with that kind of talent, it's a fun risk to take in the fifth round because if it turns out, if it turns out right, then you have a steal in the fifth round because if you can just kind of turn his mentality around and there are rumors that says that he already is working much harder at improving the mental aspect of his game and, and, you know, uh, just working up the toughness. Well, then you have, a guy who is more talented than a lot of the 149 picks who were selected ahead of him. Is he the uh, uh, Gordon of the queue? Like, it's not a bad comparison, actually. Like, because I think with Gordon, the problem isn't like his lack of effort. It's just like there are some. There are some uh, atrocious just... things in his skating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. But it feels like it, it's not really his fault. He has his strengths and he's trying to work at them. But he just has some deficiencies that he's not sure how to how to get rid of, how to become a better fluent fluid skater and everything. It feels with Joshua Roy, it feel, just feels like he knows how to do it, but he just like oh, like should I really like do I really have to? And then you just have to you know you know, just get it out of him that, yeah, of course you need to put in the work as well. It feels with Gordon, it doesn't feel like he's not putting in the work. But I, I understand the comparison because they both have a wicked shot and they're both like, yeah, they, they both could potentially be... I, I kind of wish that Joshua Roa was playing in the... Um, was went the college route instead because it would be fun to see him develop over the next four years instead of just two before you have to make a decision on signing him. But... Yeah, um, big also, year coming up. He wanted to leave St. John. Uh, he got his wish and he was traded to Sherbrooke. And uh, let's see what he can do with the full uh, offseason. Also, just to clarify, when Anton speaks about being drafted, he means into the uh, queue. Yeah, draft. yeah exactly. No, no, exactly. He was drafted this summer by Montreal. Yeah. So, so uh, just so, so we get that. But he was the, he was the f- <laughs> first overall pick. First overall pick in the QMJHL entry draft in 2019. Uh, just to clarify that, obviously there are a few, um, quite a few different names still on the list. So uh, uh, we're twenty-two for, to be yeah, exact. Twenty-two to be exact. This goes out Wednesday. We will definitely have some uh, another one for number twenty-one, uh, twenty-two, and twenty-one. 
22 and 21 and without giving out any names um cole caulfield and nick suzuki and and the next episode obviously 22 and 21 uh i think i think we've moved and due to recent circumstances jacob olofsson is challenging for the top spot as well of course yeah um because of the lack of centers in the organization now jokes aside um we hope to that some others of the, of the podcasting team will be able to join in for for a, an episode which is relates more to the overall canadian situation mm. um we're looking forward to taking down this countdown of canadian prospects uh, again i need to stress this uh, if you if you think we need to um adjust something if you think uh, of a guest that you want us to to reach out to please do so because uh, we are a little bit up in the air as well as uh, because of, of what is happening in montreal and and what is happening in Rayleigh. um so so on top of that uh, the other only news i know is that um, matthias nolander plays his last two games for fredlander before camp this weekend in uh, uh he plays at home in Gothenburg and uh, in the Champions Hockey League before going over to Montreal and the camp for, for, for the team. It will be an interesting camp, obviously. There's a lot to talk about and uh, we're going to focus on that parallel as well to what's going on in, uh, in Montreal. Thank you guys for listening.